Hey everyone, it's Pastor Micah, lead pastor here at High Praise Crestview. I want to say thank you for choosing to listen to today's podcast. I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening from today and go connect with us on social media as well. My prayer is that as you listen to this message, you're encouraged, blessed, and transformed by the power of the Word of God. Now open your heart and get ready to receive what God wants to speak to you today. Weeks ago, we started a series, if anybody remembers, called This is the Way. Anybody remember that? We started This is the Way, understanding the importance and power of prayer. And then Easter happened, and and baptisms happened, and all these different things took place. But I want to pick back up where we left off in this this sermon series that we've been in about understanding the importance and the power of prayer. Will you open up your Bibles real quickly to Matthew chapter 6? I'm going to read this. Very familiar passage of Scripture. We've been, this has been our main text, and we've been breaking down the prayer that Jesus gave to us as a blueprint on how to pray. Jesus actually teaches us how to pray. I know a lot of us like to be lone rangers in prayer, and it's okay. Listen, you can pray what's on your heart and pray what, God, what, what, what you just feel, but at the same time, there should always be... Um, understand when we say this, a blueprint or some steps to follow whenever we go to pray. And one of the greatest things that you can do first when you pray is acknowledge and lift up the name of Jesus. Amen? Acknowledge and lift up who you're praying to. Jesus taught us to pray this way. It says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. In this manner, therefore pray. This is Jesus. He says, hey, pray like this. This is what he's telling us here. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So he's acknowledging the name of Jesus. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Man, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word today. I thank you it doesn't fall on deaf ears. Lord, I thank you that it falls on open ears and open hearts to receive of what you want said today. So we say, Holy Spirit, speak. Holy Spirit, minister to our hearts, minister to our soul, minister to our minds. Change us and conform us into this word. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. I said already, so prayer first off, when we break this down, prayer should always start with acknowledging the name of the Father. Our Father who art in heaven, so he's over us. Hallowed be thy name. That's a reverence for the name of the Lord. Your name, we acknowledge all the different names of the Lord, which I don't have time to go into again uh, this morning. The next part he teaches us to pray is your kingdom come. So we pray for the rule of God's kingdom in our lives. And then he goes on to teach us, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So whenever we pray, our prayer should always be, Lord, we want heaven to intervene in earth. Lord, let heaven's purpose take place in my earthly time. That's what your prayer should be. Lord, whatever you have for me, Lord, let it take place in the time while I'm here. Let my time... In other words, put it like this. Let my time turn into Kairos time. I don't want to live on Kronos anymore. I don't want to live on exact I don't want to live on exact time any longer. God, exact time is exhausting. It's tiring. There are moments both in your life as far as your purpose and your plan that Kairos moments, meaning quick moments done by the work of the Lord, can make up for Kronos that was lost. There's also times in Kairos moments 
of kairos rest that can take place that make up for the chronos of time of unrest that that took place pastor chelsea and i can attest to that time and time again because we've been in seasons where it's been work 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 yeah like where we're just head down to the ground we're going to keep working and then all of a sudden we get that week window or a few days window and all of a sudden and you feel that kairos rest that takes place so our prayer should always be, Lord, let your time and the way that your time works, let it be my time. I don't want my time to be your time. Your time, let it be my time. That's how we're praying heaven into earth. And it goes on to say, give us this day our daily bread. That's a prayer of receiving provision and prosperity. Listen to me. I don't know who told you that God doesn't want to bless you, but that's not true. God does want you to live in the blessing of the Lord. Amen. I'm not talking about gross uh, over-the-top financial pride blessing. I'm talking about God does desire for his children to have good things, so he desires for you to live in a provision. He desires to live in the provision of the Lord. If you want to live in the provision of the Lord, there's a couple things you got to do. First, you got to acknowledge that God is your source. If you're always acknowledging your job as your source, you will never see the full provision that God has for you. You will always be limited by your boss. You will always be, be limited by your paycheck. You, Pastor Chelsea and I, we've been talking about this even on a personal uh, level ourselves. Of we're, trying to, we're asking the Lord, Lord, what are ways that you can open up greater windows of heaven, of provision and blessing? We live, in, we, live in a, we live well. We have a nice home. We have a nice car. The Lord blesses us. But we've been praying, Lord, how can we live in accordance to your will, your purpose, your plan to live in an even greater blessing because I believe you have it for us not so that we can store up treasures in heaven where, I mean, store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy but so we can store up treasures in heaven by blessing those around us and being a blessing to those around us and that should be our prayer when we're asking for provision don't just provide for me but Lord, I do want the prosperity of the Lord because provision is what I live by prosperity is what I bless others by I'll say that again. Provision is what I live by. Prosperity is what I bless others with. And so, yes, I want the prosperity of the Lord to be abundant in my life so that I can give to others. But here's some quick principles if you missed this, because I believe this was a really important thing, and I'm going to hit these real quickly, so stay with me, okay? A couple principles you have to practice to see the provision and prosperity of the Lord. Number one is you've got to live a lifestyle of giving. That means tithes and offerings and giving to others. You gotta live that lifestyle. Can't just be words that you say, it's gotta be actions that you do. You gotta have proper confession. You gotta speak God's word over your finances. Even whenever don't even whenever things are looking like you can't pay things and do things, you still bless the Lord. This will live and not die. Lord, your provision, I know you've called me to give. Lord, your provision will be more than enough all the time, even whenever I got to use the last bit of oil that's in my jar. Lord, I know, Lord, that whenever I use that last bit of oil, you're going to fill it up again to overflowing. You got to actually speak life over things. And some of us have gotten so lazy, and we don't even believe in faith anymore because we've had dashed hope after dashed hope. But listen to me. Dust your shoulders off. Pick up your faith once again and begin to prophesy and declare some things over your your situation again amen so you gotta speak God's word you gotta believe it too you can run the devil off 
That's the next thing. You need to run the devil off of your finances. You bind the enemy from your finances. In Malachi chapter 3, it says whenever we give, it talks about how it will rebuke or beat back or arrest the enemy for your sake. Whenever you give, the enemy is arrested over your finances. He can't touch it anymore. Amen? And then the last, uh, the last two things are this. you got to have a proper work ethic. You can't be lazy. Man don't work, you don't eat. And listen, I want to preface this or, or balance this with this because some people hear that and they go, well, I'm a stay-at-home dad or I'm a stay-at-home mom. You are working. Amen. You are working for that paycheck, okay? Like, it is, it is hard work. It's not easy raising kids. So listen to me. But listen, if you got the ability to work, work. Work. I believe it's important that we work. I believe having a proper work ethic is very important. And that is going to be a way that God can bless you. It's going to be a source, but it, may, but it doesn't mean it's the only source. But it can be a source. Amen? You have that proper work ethic. It means you got to want to work. And listen, you should want to work because work is worship. I got time to preach right now on this. But what, what you do as work is worship as unto the Lord. That's what the scripture actually tells us. So whenever you work, and you do it with a good heart, you do it with a good mind, you do it with a good attitude. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect, and you're always going to be that way, and you're just going to be the guy who walks into the room and, hey, everybody, you know, like, hey, you know, I'm here to work today, and it's going to be a great day, stupendous, you know. Like, don't be that guy, and you're probably not going to be that guy. But what I'm saying is we should have good hearts in what we do, and we should do it efficiently, effectively, and we should do it uh, uh, as unto the Lord, amen? Let's move on. And the last thing is financial order. You got to have order in your finances. You got to bring chaos into order. If that means you got to stop going to Starbucks and getting a $7 coffee, if you can't pay your bills but you can get Starbucks, something's out of balance. If you can't pay your bills but you can afford to go get McDonald's again, and listen, I went to McDonald's the other day. I'm going to tell on McDonald's. Listen to this, guys. This is highway robbery. Listen, now I know some of y'all are older than me, and y'all are going to laugh at me, and y'all are going to say, back in my day, I could get a burger for five cents or 25 cents. Well, back in my day, we were talking about this with our kids the other day. I could go, we used to go as a youth group and young adults, we'd go down to the McDonald's down the street from the church and uh, hang out afterwards. And I would go and I'd get three McDoubles. You know how much three McDoubles costed me? Three dollars. Three dollars for three McDoubles. You know how much a McDouble costs you now? Three dollars. It's ridiculous. I went and got Chelsea food the other day. She goes, I just, I really want a McDouble, uh, just a fry and a drink. I was like, okay, babe, go down there. I get a McDouble, fry and a drink. It's $9. I was like, huh? Are, is, this, is this real life? Are you kidding me? My point is this. I can make a burger at home for much cheaper. I know you don't, you may not like making a burger at home. It may not be that little bit of sweetness bun that mcdonald's has ma ma like magicians made and it may not be that perfect little paper thin patty but listen <laughs> you can make a burger at home for much cheaper and i'm just saying that to say this that's bringing chaos into order i know you don't like me right now but it's the truth you got to have financial order if you want to see the blessing of god in your life you got, the Bible says, he who is faithful over little will be made ruler over what? Much.
If you can go to every food truck in Crestview, my gosh, you should be able to pay your bills. Or maybe you can't because you are doing that. Because they're not cheap. I just say all that to say this. You've got to bring that stuff into order. You've got to get order in your finances if you want to see the blessing of God. Amen? So we're talking about the, where I was was give us this day our daily bread. I'm doing a long intro, but y'all stay with me. I just need to re-say this to somebody in this room, apparently. Uh, it also means daily revelation knowledge. Our prayer should be, Lord, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He longs to speak to you. The Bible says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask. And he gives it liberally. He just, he gives you wisdom. So listen, whenever you pray and you're going through a situation, you're going through a tough time, you pray, Lord, I need wisdom on this situation. I need wisdom. I need favor. I need guidance. That is daily bread for you. That's stuff that he longs to do for you. Amen? Now, let's keep going. We're finally going to pick up now where we are. So the scripture that we read in the beginning goes on after it talks about, give us this day our daily bread. It says this, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Y'all thought you didn't like me when I was talking about finances. Y'all are really about to not like me when I'm talking about forgiveness. Because listen, let's be honest, forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is not easy to do. It's easy to say, I forgive you. It's not easy to forgive. Words, talk is cheap. Words are very easy to give out. But whenever you're talking about the things of the heart, it can be challenging. And forgiveness is a thing of the heart. So we have to express and receive forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 says this. If we confess our sins, what does it say? He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, you need to just, on your own, first of all, confess any known sin and receive his forgiveness. It's as simple as that. You confess your sins, he washes you, cleanses you from all unrighteousness, and you receive of his forgiveness. But listen, when it comes to other people, guess what we have to do? We have to forgive by faith. Faith is not something we just live um, believing for something. Faith is something that we have to do whenever we're forgiving somebody too. Because we have to believe, Lord, you are helping me forgive this person. You are helping me release them from this prison that I've held them in. The scripture says in Mark eleven twenty five, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. Why though? Why would God say, why would the word say here, and when you stand praying, think about that. We're talking about prayer. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. Goes on to say this, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. When you stand praying, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, forgive them so that God can forgive you. Listen, you have to forgive even when you don't feel like it. Forgive so that you can say this, forgive so you can be forgiven. Forgive so that you can be forgiven. Forgiveness does this. It breaks the cycle of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness perpetuates a cycle of unforgiveness and bitterness. I'm sure you have heard it say this, said this way. It was said by Marianne Williamson. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and waiting for the other person to die. Anybody ever been bitter? I'm glad there's five honest people in this room today. The rest of you, I understand you're still bitter. It's okay. That's why we're preaching on this. I've been bitter. 
I've gotten better, but I've been bitter. I've had unforgiveness. And listen, it is a terrible prison that you put yourself in. And the unfortunate thing is this, what you don't see in these moments is whenever you get bitter and have unforgiveness to somebody, you literally put yourself in a prison and then invite them over and lock yourself in that prison with them. Because there's this constant thing going on in your heart and in your mind, this cycle of unforgiveness. And listen, sometimes you, you have problems forgiving yourself and you need to release yourself of some things. There's some things that you've done that you don't agree with. <laughs> you gotta forgive yourself, amen? How many of you in here have been done wrong before? Anybody been done wrong before? Someone ever said something about you or to you that hurt you? All the married people raised their hand, both hands, right? Like seriously, you've had somebody at some point in time in life said something, hurt you. And with that always comes the temptation to harbor unforgiveness. And listen to me, undealt with unforgiveness will turn into bitterness every time. Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. See to it that no one fails to obtain grace, that no root of bitterness stays there basically because if it does the people who have bitterness actually become defiled listen bitterness will stain your life bitterness will stain your marriage bitterness will stain your work bitterness will stain your kids bitterness will stain your family bitterness will will stain the relationships that you're in because listen to me you may want to write this this down bitter waters flow out of bitter people but living waters flow from forgiving others Bitter waters flow out of bitter people, but living waters flow from those who are willing to forgive others. Because think about this. What is it that saves you? It's obviously it's the grace of God, which by we're saved. But the way that the grace of God is obtained or now available for us is by way of the Son, Jesus, coming, dying, forgive, taking on all our sins and forgiving our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness and so really forgiveness is the doorway to eternal life for us or to the living water that God has for us as well so whenever you are willing to forgive others you are showing forth the character of Christ which is living waters flowing through you so now you are no longer a bitter person uh, uh, spewing poison and venom at people but now you are a place where people can find the living waters of God because you're a person who is willing to forgive them no matter how far they've gone that does not mean I'm going to balance it real quickly for anybody who may hear this incorrectly that doesn't mean you don't live with boundaries boundaries are something totally different that we could talk about and we have talked about before we'll talk about it another time you can still have boundaries with people and forgive them you should still have boundaries with people and forgive them. If someone's done you wrong and done you wrong and done you wrong, there probably is some boundaries you need to put up, but you also do have to forgive them. That's biblical, 70 times 7. You continue to forgive that person. Even whenever you don't feel like it, you, you continue to forgive that person. Amen? Now, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 through 24. I'm going to read this real quickly. It says this. So if you are about to offer your gift to God at the altar... Matthew 5, 23 and 24, if you need to write that down. So if you're about to offer your gift to God at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, 
So if there's any kind of unforgiveness, unresolved things going on, the scripture says this, leave your gift there in front of the altar. In other words, don't actually give it yet. Just leave it there. And it says this, go at once. That means hastily, fast, go do it now. Like Shia LaBeouf, now, do it now. He's like, do it right now and make peace with your brother and then come back and offer your gift to God. What am I saying? Don't offer up prayers to God until you've forgiven people in your heart. Don't give your gift to God until you've actually forgiven people. Because he needs to, if you want to be forgiven, you've got to forgive others. If you want to be heard, guess what that means? You need to release other people from the unforgiveness that you've been holding on to. Because listen, I'm going to say this again. Forgiving others frees you to be forgiven. If you've been forgiven, you should forgive. I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. The hurt was an outside job, but forgiveness is an inside job. I'm not, I'm not saying that you haven't been hurt. I'm not saying that you haven't been offended. What I am saying it is offended is a choice of living. Offense is a moment. Offended is a choice. Offenses are going to happen. People are going to be offensive. But you decide whether you want to live offended or not. What does this also mean? It means that we should pray for unity of heart, purpose, and plan. Whenever we're talking about forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, it also means this, is a, uh, this should be a way that we should pray for unity of, of heart and purpose and plan. Forgiving will bring unity. Anybody, any married folk in this room? I'm really Southern now, folk. Any married folk in this room? Any married folk be honest enough to say we've fought not, maybe if you did that, don't raise your hand, but it, you've had a, an argument, a disagreement. Anybody real in here? Anybody real enough to say, I've said some things that I shouldn't have said that were hurtful and mean and ugly and bitter. Yeah. Okay. I, I see. I still got my hand raised. I ain't lying. Y'all see all the, the cute pictures that Pastor Chelsea and I post on social media. You don't see the ones where like, you know, they're not that often, but they happen. <laughs> we, we, we've been there now anybody ever been on the other side of the forgiveness and normally what takes place after forgiveness is the two become one flesh there's a unity that takes place there's a uniting that happens listen when you got a disagreement with your brother or your sister in Christ you forgive them and you pray for unity you pray for a coming back together and a, and a synergy to take place between the two of you once again. What was like one broken wheel, Lord, let it be like two wheels that work perfectly in tandem once again. That should be our prayer. That should be our heart, that we want to work together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? And that goes for all relationships. Because forgiveness breaks down the fence of offense. Forgiveness breaks down the fence of offense. And instead creates a place to be united. Scripture goes on to say this. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us. Y'all still with me this morning? I promise you, I'm not going to go too, too much longer. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us. We need to pray that we can receive daily deliverance and guidance. Amen? A couple ways that you can do that is you can state godly beliefs. There's ungodly beliefs and there's godly beliefs. 
What is an ungodly belief? I'm ugly. What's a godly belief? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And some of y'all just need the simplicity of that. You need the deliverance of thinking that you're ugly all the time. Listen, you're not ugly. God made you the way that he made you. You're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. Some of it is, I'm dumb. I'll never amount to anything. Well, that's not true. The Bible says that you have the mind of Christ. Sate that over yourself. Well, I'll never amount to anything. No, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Godly beliefs. You replace, it's, understand when I say this, it's replacement therapy. You replace the ungodly thing. You go and you find, this is something actually we do in our life restoration ministries that we're launching. Um, this is something that we do that you go and you write down every ungodly belief that you have about yourself. Everything that you could think of, that whenever you look at your situations in life, maybe you look at your marriage and you go, you know what, I've been divorced before, I'm going to be divorced again. Listen to me, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. And there's godly beliefs that we replace it with then. And so then we find scripture, you know, we say, well, my dad had heart attacks, my grandpa had heart attacks, my great-grandpa had heart attacks. You know what, there's scripture that talks about how those things can be broken off of your life. So we're going to instead, and then what we have you do is we literally have you start quoting those things and declaring those things over your life. And I'm telling you, it changes things. It's, it really is like a replacement therapy. It's a deliverance of old ways of thinking. Now, another way to not be led into temptation and be delivered is to follow the good shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Listen, I follow the good shepherd. And if I'm following the good shepherd, I'm being, I'm being led in the right way, away from temptation, away from evil, away from wrong things, and I'm being led in the correct way. Though we pray, listen to though, I want you to hear this, though we pray to lead us not into temptation, this is the fact. There will be times you will be tempted. If anyone thinks they're better than Jesus in this room, that's fine. But Jesus was tempted. Jesus was tempted. You will be tempted. And if you think you can't be tempted, it's probably because you aren't tempted anymore. I think five people probably got that. If you think you can't be tempted, it's probably because you aren't being tempted anymore and you're just doing it now. It's become commonplace of life. And you need to pray for deliverance. You need to pray for freedom. Because the sin is not the temptation. I think for a long time in churches, we preach that if you're tempted, you're sinning. It's not true. That's not true. That's like people who, I'm, I'm going to go here. It's like people who deal with same-sex attraction. The problem is not the dealing with the same-sex attraction in the way of the temptation. The problem is whenever you act on things. That's where we come into some, we need to go, just, we, let's, let's study some things together. Let's look at some things together. Temptation is not the sin. It's what you do with the, sin, with, with the temptation. The temptation to go and do the drugs is not the problem. The problem is whenever you decide, I'm going to go do this. You hear me? Now, in the midst of temptation, there is always a way out. And the scripture promises us that in 1 Corinthians 10 13. I'm not going to read it just yet. I'll read it in a minute. But I want you to think about this for a second. Put yourself in this kind of situation. If you were drowning and had the opportunity to yell for help, would you yell? Absolutely. I think everybody in this room would not just willingly drown. Like, you know, by. If someone was threatening your life and you had the opportunity to get help, would you? Absolutely. 
All of us would. However, often we're spiritually drowning in sin and temptation. Things are threatening our spiritual life. And instead of actually calling for help, instead of praying for a way out, we swallow our pride and end up falling and just being there. Anybody ever been in an escape room? Anybody? I've actually never done one, but I know how they work. And in escape rooms, you get locked in a room, and there's like clues in different ways, and there is one way out of that room. Am I right? There's one way out. And there is always a way out, right? So the first thing that you do when you get locked in that escape room is what? You immediately begin to go do what? You begin to go look for a way out. Temptation is like being stuck in an escape room. There is always a way out. The question is, are you actually looking for the way out? I'm trying to bring it to where you live today. There's always. You are locked in there, and sometimes it's clues. Whenever you're about to go do that thing that you know you shouldn't do, and you get a phone call from a friend that you know would not approve of what you're about to do. There's a clue on the way out. Sometimes it's you're driving and you know you're not supposed to do this, something you're about to go do, and that song comes on that convicts your spirit, and you go, man, I don't know if I should do this or not. There are clues to open up the doorway to say, no, I don't have to do this any longer. I can make the decision to do something different. Listen, there is always a way out. God will always provide a way out of temptation. You just have to actually look for it. And God will use things to grab your attention, like I just mentioned, a friend, a family, scripture, just a memory of something. I mean, I've been in moments where a memory of something has kept me from doing something. It's been that way of escape. God will use those things. I'm going to say this. Listen to this. The way out of temptation may not be an ABC plan, but rather more like an alarm clock sound of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean... now. I understand, so please understand me. I know that whenever Jesus was tempted, he spoke the word. And I believe that we should do that, amen? I believe whenever we're in time of temptation, we absolutely should speak the word. But sometimes temptation still wants to linger. And we have to just continue to speak the word and continue to lean in to the way out that God is giving to us. And it may not be that ABC plan, but you can hear the alarm clock sound of the Holy Spirit and you continue to follow that until you're out of there. Listen, amen. Pray for, pray for temptation to be far from you, but pray the deliverer to always be near to you. Because listen, if the deliverer is near, temptation can't make me go there. I'm gonna say that again. If the deliverer is near, if the deliverer is right here with me, then temptation can't make me go there. We're going to end with this. Okay, y'all still with me? Give me about five more minutes. It ends with this, because we're going to end this scripture today. After that, it says, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Somebody say forever. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That means this, no matter what, God has got your back. When you pray, God's got your back. You acknowledge that it is his kingdom, not our own thing, that it's not your thing, and so stop acting like you have to make it all happen. Let God work his kingdom through you. He works his kingdom, works through his kingdom children. 
And so we need to pray in that manner. Amen. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us until unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages world without end listen whenever you pray you should praise him for his mighty acts and how great he is and the power that he has in your life because no matter what God has got your back how long has God got your back well this scripture says for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever forever it means it never gonna stop God's like Rick Astley. Never going to give you up. Y'all got Rick rolled in church. Is he going to be with my kids? Yes, forever. Yours is the king, the power, the glory. Forever. He will always be there. He's an ever-present help in the time of troubles that the scripture says. He's a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. If you got the Holy Spirit living within you, listen, you got the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus living within your and quickening your mortal body. Listen, God is with you forever. And the last word of this, I'm gonna end on right here. The last word of this prayer is what? And what we end most all prayers with is this. And I believe, listen, I'm gonna say it. I believe it's tell you two things real quickly. That's not in the notes. I believe in two things real quickly. It is absolutely important that you pray in Jesus' name. I'm sealing things in the name that's above every other name. I'm not, I'm not throwing stones at anybody. Please understand me. I'm not, la- I'm not sealing things in his name. I'm labeling, I'm, I, I'm sealing things in Jesus' name. Not his, I, I mean, I, if you want to pray in his name, that's, you, you can do that. When I pray, I believe it's important to pray in Jesus' name. The name that's above every other name. There's no other greater name given by men, but men are saved, right? So listen, I pray in Jesus' name, and then I follow it with this word, amen. Now, amen is a very churchy word, right? Y'all hear me say all the time, amen? Amen? It's like a question, amen? Make sure you're listening. Make sure you're here. But amen is so much more than a response. Amen is a declaration. It is an exclamation. It is the exclamation point to the end of your prayers. Everything you have prayed up to this moment, all these things we have studied on how to pray, whenever you pray the, the, all these things in the way that God's called you to pray, and once again, I'm not saying you have to pray these things every single time. I'm saying that when, this is just a blueprint of things that we can pray for and should pray for in our lives, in our prayer life. So when we pray all these things, and then at the end we say, amen, listen to me. It is more like, it's, it's not, I, I'm not talking about like a holy shout amen, where it's like, amen. Yeah, you know, I'm talking about amen. Like I'm praying, I'm agreeing, I'm coming to agreement with the prayer that has been said because this, the word amen means so be it. Miss Donna, will you come play, please? It means so be it. So I'm saying, Lord, I thank you that you're healing. I thank you you're delivering. I thank you that you're doing this. Lord, I ask for this in your name. I ask God that you move on, on my behalf. I'm, and then at the end of all of that, I'm saying, in the name that's above every other name, the name of Jesus, so be it. It is an exclamation. It is a sealed word then in saying what I've prayed in this time. Lord, only you can so be it. Only you can so make it done. So make it happen, Lord. So whenever you say so be it, I believe this. Things are being so done. 
Jesus on the cross says, it is finished. Things are being so done. Whenever I say amen, Jesus hears it. And he says, so be it. It's so done for my son. It's so done for my daughter. The things that you've been praying for, I'm moving. And things are about to be so done in your life. Listen, that's the, that this is just a blueprint of how Jesus has taught us to pray. We're going to continue in this um, next week. And we're going to be talking a little more about the Holy Spirit prayer. About praying in our heavenly language. Some other different ways that we can pray. But listen, this week, you remember some of these things while you pray. Pray, declare in Jesus' name. Amen. Pray, for, forget, pray to forgive others. Pray, pray for, Lord, don't lead me into temptation. But Lord, if I'm there, I know that you're here. Thank you, the deliverer is here with me. Will you stand to your feet this morning?